Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is Carlo. Uh, I'm accompanied, of course, by uh, my Captain Dola to my Pazu, I guess. Uh, hey, Pete, what's up? Hey, man. Uh, not a whole lot. I'm, ju- I'm just uh, packing up my whole life to move it one mile, uh, like a normal person does. But uh, other than that, just just things are normal. How about you, man? I'm doing all right. So you're just putting everything to a bindle, right? Uh, just yeah it all, exactly. it all fits in all fits into a handkerchief okay yeah er, uh, everything but the dog well the dog can carry the bindle uh, yeah, now that is an idea <laughs> and we're accompanied by a special guest uh right goods own audio gremlin sid oosley how you doing sid oh, i'm pretty good i'm actually also moving so that's fun. all right so the question so, uh, is, why aren't you moving, Carl? Uh, look, don't don't yeah. jinx it, okay? <laughs> I just found this place. <laughs> look, there was like a tornado warning the other day, and I was considering, you know, that that might be a <laughs> that might be calling it a little too close, you know. Um, Fair. I mean, the, yeah. the tornado might move you. Like, oh, well. <laughs> You know, I find myself in Kansas uh, rather than the other the other way around, right? Um, yep. I'll put so, you. Up. Uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, I'll, I'll. Is there, there? This is a magic bindle where I fit. <laughs> 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 There's plenty of space in the bindle. Um, so uh, while we're uh, yucking it up here, folks, uh, we have forgotten to tell you what we're all here for, which is we're going to be discussing uh, one of Hayao Miyazaki's uh, earlier works, uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky, 1986 release, um, which uh, I believe, Pete, you would only watch this for the first time uh, for, for this episode. Is that correct? Yep. Yep, just saw it for the All first right. time yesterday. Okay, I hadn't seen this in a, in quite a few years, so it it, it it's all sort of kind of new to me. Uh, Sid, what was uh, you had seen this before, but uh, not in a long time, right? Yeah, I think I saw it like back in the, when Netflix was uh, doing like when they just mailed DVDs. It was one of the ones we had sent in, wow. but it's been it's been a while. Yeah, that's uh, that's. Um... Yeah, yeah folks, uh, just so that you know, uh, Netflix used to send DVDs in the mail. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> it was like it was like Redbox, but you, you actually had to receive it in the mail. Um, but uh, anyway, we're going to be talking about that for this episode. Um, so I guess my question here, Pete, is uh, since you are the absolute newbie, um, what was your experience uh, watching this film? Well, um, as as I think our audience is pretty well aware, I'm I'm largely a newbie in anime. Like I watched Akira in college and loved it, and that was as deep as I went up until Podside. So, I mean, a- any of my experiences with anime have been within the past couple of years. And I found this, not only was it of quality, like it's very well done, it's engaging, um, it's, it's the most accessible anime I've ever seen. Like I felt like I could just watch it like a movie and the, a, lot of the, um, a lot of the things you see again and again in anime aren't there. Like the weird facial expressions when when a child gets mad, like all of that stuff wasn't there. It, it it just connected with me normally. It also felt like a movie version of Tintin. Like it had sort of that that optimistic outlook. It had um, 
it, you know, it, it's like the kids were moving the action. It sort of had a, a spirit of adventure behind it that was similar. And that's not a complaint. I mean, I, um, I'm not saying this is an original. I'm just saying that it was the dotted line I could draw. I gotcha. Um, so, uh, Sid, what, what did you, um, given the fact that it's been a few years, uh, since you first saw it, uh, what did you, upon revisiting it, what did you think? Oh, it holds up really well. I mean, I noticed more detail this time around because it's like, I, I know more stuff than I did half my life ago. So that's really dug it. Like it, it's arch in a very good way. Mm-hmm. Like once in a while it, it, you need something straightforward instead of just yeah yeah i mean i i think that um i think my experience and and this uh, i may differ slightly from from both of you mainly because i i guess i dove in uh, on the deeper end of the pool um i remember seeing like i think one of my first experiences uh in theaters uh you know, like watching um, a Miyazaki film was watching it in like an art film circuit uh, sort of to a packed, like honestly, like fire hazard packed uh, theater that was showing Mononoke. And I was just blown away by that. Um, and obviously Mononoke is a much more sort of layered and sort of complex story. And this one is very straightforward. And actually, you know, I, I, I was going to say that uh, it, it, it didn't, it, I was sort of expecting more layers to it. But then I realized uh, from what Pete's saying, uh, it, it is, I mean, it's perfectly straightforward. It's a great uh, sort of like accessible and a great jumping off point. Uh, that's not, I think it's, it's a great uh, film that, can appeal to perhaps older kids, um, not exactly teens, but up until, you know, through adults, because it's got a lot of fun stuff in it. It's got, uh, some, some, I guess it's got a message to it and whatnot, but it's not exactly as layered or complex as some of the other stuff, which is fine. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. So, uh, do, do we want to go ahead and try to summarize or give a, a like a synopsis of what happens? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I think somebody who has seen it more than once might be the better choice for that, but I, I, I support it in theory. <laughs> in theory. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so do you want to give it a crack or, or not so much? I'll, I'll see what I can do. Although I may, uh, <laughs> I, I might just, it's, it's all good. The, all right. So, I'm, I'm here for an assist, I think. Okay. Um, so it starts, uh, there's a girl on an airship. She's being watched by a bunch of goons. Then pirates show up riding these dragonfly motorcycle things. I don't know exactly motors, but they got like a like boarding craft that also have dragonfly wings. And yeah, um, I, I would have I gone more, more with like a cicada, which seems timely given the, uh, the time period. Like what we're going to go through with Brood X right now. They, they do look sort of like cicadas. Um, but anyway, go, go on ahead. Um, so the pirates are st- trying to steal a crystal. The girl ends up uh, clocking um, this dude with a wine bottle and trying to get out the window. And she ends up falling out of the sky. Which normally you're dead when you do that without a parachute when you're like 12 or however old Cheetah is. Uh, but the, the necklace turns out to be like very significant because it is made out of um, a special material they elaborate on later. And she is able to float to the ground relatively safely straight into like a mine, basically. Yeah. Where uh, or, how long? Do, or, how, how fast do you want me to go with this? Because there's a lot of movies in this movie. I mean, you could <laughs> you could probably touch yeah touch the touch the main points. I think I don't think we need to really go into um, super okay. detail. I'm, all right, yeah. So meets um, meets the other main kid, Patsu, and um, so they're eating breakfast. It turns out that he's got an interest in aviation. And building ornithopters and, and such because he he wants to find this floating castle that his dad took a picture of once. 
way back in the when his when he had a dad times, or uh, I don't I don't know exactly how that lines up. Well, yeah, I think up. I think his his dad might have uh, might have might gotten have lost. Yeah, his dad is definitely like got lost at some point, but he he kept, he had to get the photo there somehow. Yeah, not not so, entirely sure. May, uh, might have know, been like that, a different journey he got lost on. They they were a little unclear. Yeah, I, I don't think it's really touched upon that much. But yeah, definitely Pazu's like a, a foundling. He's like taken in by another family or something. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's living in that little. It's a cool little house. It's like a vertical thing out in the out in the yeah. sticks of the town. Um, you you know you know what though? Uh, let let's pause just a moment because I do want to point out that uh, the the pirates just to jump ahead a little bit. The pirates then go. Uh, I guess they track where Sheeta might have gone, and they show up in town. And uh, so Captain Dola is this uh, elderly pirate captain, and all of her sons are her pirate uh, 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 gang. I don't know what you'd call them exactly. Yeah, a group. They're a crew. Um, They are a crew. That's that's, yes. Yes. But I just found it like one of the funniest things I can think of is that they're descending upon basically a mining town, uh, all dressed (laughs) in pristine white suits with top hats yeah, and then, which is like okay it's, it's so funny and then uh because they run across uh patsu's uh, uh ward or guardian or what have you uh who's this you know amazingly burly looking guy with like a uh a big mustache like, well, like well, like a like a medium but good mu- like he's got a push broom mustache almost yeah, yeah, definitely, and and like the the what do you call it, the newspaper cap, and like some overalls, and then they engage in a feat of strength, which involves uh, flexing until they burst their clothes open, which is a hilarious uh, series of like first they burst their clothes open, and then they uh, very politely trade punches into their guts, and you know very much like punch to the gut make contact and then hmm, uh, make, they, they make these very, uh, like they make these faces like they're about to shit their pants. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really funny. It's a really funny exchange, but uh, in the meantime, Patsu, uh, while that's happening, Patsu makes off with Sheeta and they, they're like running along the rails because this is, uh, I think uh, one of the things that stood out to me is that the, this world, as opposed to some of the other uh, Miyazaki uh, sort of settings, has both. It, it's sort of like a steam or diesel punk setting. Uh, I think you had made a case for for it being more diesel punky, uh, Sid. But uh, you know, the 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 point being that they're running along these uh, railroad tracks that sort of crisscross over the town. And it just gets a, a little weird there after a while because then the pirates figure out that they're running along the tracks and they start uh, they they use their car like a like a Model T type of car to don't pile push. into it and they're just hauling yeah. down the tracks. Well, the, the they're using the car to push the um, the the uh, train the train cart that they've uh, I guess commandeered uh, ahead. <laughs> And then, like, the uh, government shows up with, like, a tank that's on the rails as well, which is... I mean, it looks, yeah, it's like an armor... It's like a, tr- it's like a rail tank. Portrait. Yes, it's... it's a rail I mean, it looks, cool as, yeah. it looks cool as hell. I don't even know if that's, like, based on, like, real-world designs, but that looks cool. Um, uh, did you notice uh, that a lot of... Like, basically, Muska's, um, like, his... Because apparently uh, it becomes clearer later on that Muska is like sort of a an intel officer in the government. He has a rank in the military, but he outranks or has a, a, a more connections within the government than like the generals and stuff like that. Uh, did you notice that all of Muska's like uh, right hand men or whatever you'd call it all look like Pinkertons? Oh, yeah, like, they stereotypical. are stereotypical. 
Oh, well, for sure. But it, it is sort of funny that they all have like the, 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 the pins, nay, uh, uh, dark sunglasses and little bowlers and like bow ties and shit like that. And Muska looks uh, shady as hell as well. Um, yeah, he's got. He also has like the 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 very same sort of not pince nez but um, other glasses that are tinted. Little glasses and yeah. tinted. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, and then from there, I forget they figure out that uh sheeta pendant has some sort of properties to it um and that it can lead them to the same place that patsu's dad had taken a picture of which was like basically think of it as a floating city that is uh sort of like a ghost ship uh people have been looking for it that's like an abandoned earthberg with a big ass castle on it yeah. I mean and and the funny thing is that like um at the beginning of the film uh as Miyazaki's want to do uh he'll he'll introduce like world building details either at the well both at the uh credits at the beginning and then sort of an epilogue in the credits rolling at the end uh but uh one of the things that struck me is that uh Laputa looks very much like um What's that famous painting of uh, the Tower of Babel? Uh, I forget who who painted it, but it looks very much like that painting. Uh, It's sort of like a stacked uh, series of ringed, uh, like walled uh, cities and so on and so forth. And then like a castle up top. This one has like a tree that's sort of sprouted out of the, the top of it, too. I mean, it's it's got a really cool design to it. So it looks really cool. Um, and, uh, so then the chase is on, you know, like, uh, Patsu is trying to keep Sheeta away from everyone. Uh, eventually they, uh, get captured by Captain Dola and her sons. And, uh, it turns out that as is usual with Miyazaki, that, uh, she is not quite as bad as, uh, one would imagine for a pirate, uh, and uh, I think we'd mentioned that uh, that the airship that she has looks uh, very. It looks sort of like a, a miniature version of the um, the airship in Final Fantasy VII, uh, which is kind of cool looking but smaller. Yeah, it's uh, got like a chicken for the masthead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. Um, there's like a, a chase sequence and then they uh, manage to, what was it? Was Patsu? Yeah, it was Patsu and, um, and Shida end up like in like a, a weird glider. Like it's a, uh, like a dinghy behind the, the airship, but they're floating up, up atop it. Yeah. It's basically like a kite, like a, and they're sort of in the basket, uh, keeping watch because they're, they want to make sure that the government ship uh, airship, which is much larger and uh, and much more dangerous looking and full of guns and stuff like that. They want to keep an eye on it. And uh, they're, they're like trying to figure out where it is in the cloud cover below. And uh, then they get to the Laputa. And I mean, that's where sort of like the, the hijinks ensue, uh, which is makes it sound a little a little less uh, dark than uh, it ends up being because uh, oh, Muska, yeah, it, get- yeah, it gets a little dark there because Muska oh, basically yeah. manages to capture uh, Sheeta and uh, or, or actually no I'm sorry uh, Sheeta is captured by him and then uh, rescued by Dola and she leaves the pendant behind but uh, it turns out that dun dun dun. Uh, Muska knows, you know, has something, uh, some power uh, that is linking him to the the lineage of Laputa and is able to basically use the weaponry that Laputa has, uh, even against his own, you know, supposed government forces and whatnot. Uh, so uh, he, he does eventually betray General Hot Dog Nick. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what it is about Miyazaki, uh, <coughs> Miyazaki's designs, but he never fails to make like uh, 
sort of like a bald headed uh, general type have like a curly Q mustache, pointy head, and then like exactly that, like a a, a hot dog packet <laughs> neck. You know, it's just amazing. Um, and then uh, essentially, uh, Shita manages to wrest control of Apito away from Muska and uh, and decides that uh, it, you know basically since it can be used as a weapon that uh, yeah, it shouldn't, uh, no one should have it. And uh, that's more or less where the, the, the movie sort of winds everything down. Uh, I think that covers everything. I might be wrong. Yeah. There was a scene part like around that. There was that one scene in the mind that ties to stuff later, but um, mm. they talked to that mm. old guy. It's all, it's about the themes and stuff. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah the uncle, uncle, uh, yeah, that guy who thinks they're goblins. <laughs> yeah, he's been down there a while, though. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's telling them about, um, because there is a, there is a theme to this movie that I don't know if everyone picks up on. It is about the dangers of mining cryptocurrency and why people shouldn't do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I was going to say, because I, I actually looked it up and it turns out that, um, so the, the pendant and the power that uh, keeps um, Laputa sort of afloat is a gigantic. Uh, what is it? What would that uh, shape be? Uh, it's it's, uh, um, it, it's an octahedron. It is the same as uh, Ramiel from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Wow, you are making arrow? connections today. <laughs> Oh, what was that, Pete? Indra, Indra's arrow. I'm, I'm. I just. I went to Wikipedia. It's the only way I could catch up to you quickly. Oh, that's also <laughs> that. Um. Oh, yeah. That's a whole thing. That's um. Yeah, Indra for the unfamiliar is one of the um. I mean, there's a long way, but he's kind of like uh, analogous to Zeus in a like before Hinduism, but also Hinduism system. Well, yeah, I think it's like Vedic religion. He's um, he's he's very analogous to Zeus, and he shows up in a lot of Final Fantasies. Yes, one of the summons. Well, I mean, um, and I think that that's that you you that's the second time we've mentioned Final Fantasy, and and this is where I'm going to do a um, little call out because uh, I do have to credit uh, our own uh, Podside uh, friend of the pod and Podside uh, guest. Kurt Schiller for pointing out that um, Laputa probably uh, sort of uh, set the stage or, or sort of made it served as a template for a lot a lot of JRPG uh, sort of games and stuff like that. So uh, you know a- anything that has sort of airships and fantastical elements, but not exactly like Eurocentric fantasy. Or, or a semi-industrial uh, fantasy world. Uh, this is sort of yeah, they, they were they were definitely uh, using Lapita a Castle in the Sky as probably some sort of a template, or it could be something in the air. Um, I was going to mention. Um, so, Sid, had you ever seen? And I don't remember if you saw it, Pete. The, did you manage to see um, uh, the Nausicaa film? I have not. Gavin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen it's it. On my, it's on my to-do list. Okay. No, it's it's I all was good. I mean, it's, after it came out, so <laughs> it's all good, man. Uh, I, I was just going to point out that uh, it's funny because the um, the the robots, which are sort of terrifying but also very cool, uh, terrifying only because they are uh, they can turn on a dime and just basically they have lots of power. Uh, and it, they reminded me of sort of like a, a shrunken down uh, version of God Warriors in Nausicaa. Uh, just very powerful. Except that they can fly. Well, oh, yeah, the robots they, can fly. Yeah, it, it is sort of very cool the way that they, they're deployed in that. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, um, I just... Once they get to Laputa, it's sort of really interesting to me because it, it it feels like a completely different movie once they get there. There's that moment where it's like very idyllic and and they're sort of like 
wandering around and exploring. And it just feels like a breath of fresh air in the middle of this movie. That's been pretty much a chase scene. Well, I, I mean, I, without being prompted, I talked about what it tied to with me, Tintin. Could you guys talk about the connections you had? I, I, we had a briefer conversation earlier where, where Sid, Sid drew some lines. And I, I, I was wondering if he'd revisit that or go in a different direction. Oh yeah. I can draw a bunch of them. Um, I think like the oldest thing it probably ties to is there's a lot of Plato's Atlantis in there. The whole like, Oh, it's a civilization and there's the hubris and then they destroyed themselves but they leave a lot of the self-destruction implicit because they're just not around anymore. Mm -hmm. So like they return to the earth eventually because it was like, there's a whole thing about like um, contrast between, you know, the heavens and the earth as sort of arrogance and humility respectively. Right. Um, I mean, I would also say, I would also add to that, that it's uh Lapita is just like a renamed or a Chalcom from the same thing. So, yeah, um, I mean, and uh, Laputa is actually a place in Gulliver's Travels. So I think that that's where he's like the the entire pr- premise of Laputa is like it's somewhere in G- Gulliver's Travels that has it's exactly that like it's a a floating city. If I'm remembering correctly, guys, I forgot something important. Oh, oh, good job, you ears, man. <clears throat> Welcome to Sunday. <laughs> yeah yeah so, i'm a little classier yeah, than i was our our last uh recording so <laughs> so uh sid you mentioned the um the the primary crystal that powers lapita that is made of basically the the pendant that cheetah has uh is made of the same material um and we'd forgotten we we touched upon it uh and skirted around it and then forgot to to make the direct connection. Um, the crystal is called Ethereum, and uh, you you bet your bottom dollar that I looked it up to make sure because I was like, wait a minute, is this fucking like did the cryptocurrency dude use this movie and that image to 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 sort of base their marketing on that? Uh, it's a little unclear. I have some um, follow up on this too, by the way. Uh, no, go ahead. It's a little unclear. I mean, at least when I looked it up, um, it, it it looks like it was synchronicity and not uh, a direct, uh, uh, like a, a direct relative or what what have you. Uh, direct inspiration is what I'm looking for here. I uh, can but, definitely shed some light on this. Actually, um, so in the in the golden age of science fiction, uh, when people were trying to describe technology and they did they knew fuck all about science um one of the things they liked to do was like okay well it's the resonant vibration of this new metal that we found that allows faster than light travel or this particular vibration on this particular type of metal allows us to develop psychic powers or whatever it is and there was a whole host of made up or borrowed names of various substances and they were basically MacGuffins. And Ethereum is one. Adamantium is one. Uh, but, you know, Adamantium is, is a thing. Um, unobtainium. And you might have heard Unobtainium be recycled in Avatar. Like, that's the thing they're mining for. And it's it sort of has a long tradition in the science fiction tradition. And I think, though I am talking out of my ass, uh, that... They used one term for this metal uh, when this was released in Japan, and when somebody did the translation, they got cute. Mm, okay, I could see that. I mean, it, it's also going back to like old, old timey. You know, before we knew that uh, you know, that space was actually a void, uh, they had ideas regarding oh, is the ether of space mm-hmm. uh, and the phlogiston and whatnot. I was just going to say that. That's awesome. <laughs> Damn it. I wanted to say phlogiston. Phlogiston, phlogiston. I, I don't remember which one. Whatever it is. I'm, I'm not bo- entirely sure. You both did better than I did. I would have been like phlogosteron. <laughs> Look, uh, Pete, uh, we don't have the licensing for the uh, the pharmaceutical phlogisteron to be just... <laughs> 
to just be using that name without fair use. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It does sound like something that allows you to pee better. Yeah. With, with yeah, side effects, sure. including yeah, <laughs> with, with, with weird adverse, it thins up your weird adverse effects, <laughs> weird adverse effects that include, uh, uh, you know, psoriasis of the liver, uh, thrombosis, uh, yeah, like five different things that could kill you, but you'll pee also give you a gambling problem. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad we uh, found ourselves back on the path, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like the whole un- yeah, Uncle uh, Goblin fucker down there was like, don't mind the crypto. It's bad for the environment. <laughs> he, he, he's an old man and knows things. He's like, look, yeah, uh, I, I like it. I got all of my I got all of my advice from R slash uh, Laputa, uh, and uh, I went ahead and put my entire uh, IRA. Uh, I just withdrew all of it, thirty thousand dollars. I'm putting it down into Ethereum. I I have a good feeling about this. Okay, excellent. Uh, so I have a question for you guys, and it may be silly. We'll see. Um, so as as I was trying to get ahead of uh, what uh what carlo was saying about the medallion i ran to wikipedia so i could appear smarter than i was and one of the things i saw there was that the inspiration for the mining scenes was you know the 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 author going to wales in 1984 and witnessing the miner strike and talking about how how much he respected those men and that their struggles was similar to the ones the men in japan and, you know, dying breed, yada, yada, yada. And I guess my question is, what is this man's politics? Like, do we know? I mean, it doesn't affect my enjoyment of this at all, but like he's he's sort of a puzzle to me, largely because he writes on, I, I mean, he, he writes fairy tales on some level. I am, I'm, I'm I don't want to, it seems like he's got a good idea that there needs to be some sort of uh, counterbalance. And I, I find it interesting that he is, wasn't that the same minor strike that they were striking against Thatcher? Yep. Uh, that's the right time zone. Yeah. Or ti- you know, that's, that's the right yeah, time. Yeah. Thingy. Lines up. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking it probably is. So I'm wondering if he doesn't have certain, perhaps not, uh, perhaps unaffiliated sort of more socialist, but not affiliated ties or, or sympathies at the very least. But at the same time, his work does point to him being a bit of a fellow traveler. Yeah. That's the thing. I I feel like he's, he's definitely very interested in, and, and granted, I mean, I don't want to sound orientalist or anything like that, but I do think that his, uh, you know, in, in Japan, there is much more of a focus on, you know, like the natural world and stuff like that. And like bringing heart, like living in harmony uh, with the natural world. And I think he brings a lot of that into his uh, different um, like stories and whatnot, not all of them, but uh, there is like this, always the sense of he needs to find some sort of a balance so that the character can live in harmony with the situation that they're in. If that makes sense. I'm not entirely sure I'm making an, a whole bunch of sense here. No, no, I think that makes sense. Um, I, it's I, my exposure to this, uh, basically any exposure I've had to his work is through you, Carlo. But I mean, definitely what I'm seeing is there's a, he, he's very interested in the relationship between man and the natural world. Uh, he has he has a real sympathy for the people doing the work. I mean, I, based on my limited exposure, you could have some some discussion about whether it's a it's a condescending affection or not. But it's definitely very much there. Um, I, I I would like to have a beer with this guy, and not in a George Bush sense. I mean, I'm 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 very uh, from what I'm seeing, I'm liking it, and I'm I'm. I'm fascinated like to be able to consistently put out work of this quality. That is, uh, I mean, some of it's kind of weird, but it's all of quality that I've seen. And that's not, that's not normal. 
Yeah, I mean, from what I have been and and I haven't looked it up in a in a few weeks, but uh, from what I can see from his past, I believe he was like four years old when his uh, I believe his dad was involved in the Miyazaki Air F- Aviation Factory. I forget the the exact name, but. Uh, they he may like his dad might have been included like involved in the war effort back in you know back in world war ii um and i i i have to wonder because there's like little bits and pieces that i recognized uh like sort of like him putting his uh personal like life experiences into works and I, 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 I do have to wonder, like maybe, like the idea of, you know, like after everything's said and done, he he does appreciate. Like he did do a, a recent movie, like one of his last movies was, um, The Wind Rises, which is all about like you know, uh, engineering the 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 zero and whatnot. So you know, it, he, he, I think he has a very complicated. Um, relationship with even his own past and uh you know what his family's role might have been in it that's me armchair for you know uh doing some armchair uh psychiatry but it's it it does seem to be like little bits and pieces of it show up in different works of his yeah oh, well yeah, i mean that's a, oh, okay, no no go ahead man i'm just babbling oh yeah like um he generally ha- um you know how like like for Tarantino, um, flight is for Miyazaki what feet are for Tarantino. So it shows up in all of his work as like a thing <laughs> he just loves photographing and getting into the weeds of, and it's just um, well, yeah, that and, yeah, and like that, you, one could imagine that if there was a sufficiently cool airplane, he would spend six months on reshoots just to give it a hug, in a similar way to Tarantino that one time. Well, I mean, uh, it, it's I funny. Remember which movie that was? It's funny you you mentioned flight because that is definitely a, a constant in most of his movies. Uh, as is a usually a female protagonist. Um, That's not as uh, as yeah. um. Once you get into it, that it's a little bit more of an even split, but depending on uh, which one of them, which ones. Right. Right. I mean, I, I think some of his earlier work, and m- most of it is because, uh, if I remember correctly, he wanted to make sure that he was making movies that his own daughter could could you know see herself in. If I'm remembering correctly, so you know. But even then, like um, something like Spirited Away uh, is sort of like he's remembering <laughs> sort of how shitty an 11 year old kid can be, <laughs> and it's sort of funny because you know. Uh, that's that's how the uh, Chihiro starts out, and it, it she turns out very differently because you know it's a story you need to have growth. Uh, but but in this, it it's sort of weird because Shida um, Shida is I don't feel like she has a traditional arc in the sense that she doesn't necessarily uh, she she is good to begin with it's more of an arc regarding revel- revealing hidden information if that makes sense I mean, there is a little bit of it like she gets on uh, at first like the idea of the spell of destruction makes her really like just freak out and she doesn't want to do it and then she's like well I gotta do it after she gets the hair after she gets the gun haircut <laughs> that dude literally shot her pigtails off so it, it when you shoot a girl's pigtails that's, off that's, it's all bets are off man it's on you do yeah. not shoot off an anime girl's pigtails that's like desecration i mean Apparently. well he he shot off the one and then you know that just unbalances the entire haircut come on man yeah i think he got both like one and then the other Did he? i i i may have missed the other one but uh but yeah i mean uh, and and I do I did appreciate like all the the physicality uh, the way he portrays uh, especially Patsu uh, is 
like you know squirming through little tiny places and stuff like that it's really interesting to see how it's animated because it it does show um sort of like a, a certain physicality to it that i it's just a level of detail that um that i don't often see in even in re- live action stuff you know it's like just very uh it feels like I, I felt like all cramped up and like, oh, that that's exactly how you'd sort of wriggle your way in through a, like a hole you just blasted in a wall. It's sort of interesting, uh, is, is all I'm saying. And uh, I, I know that Miyazaki's sort of a, a hard taskmaster for his animating team, animation team, because he's always like using like these. Oh, have you ever seen like, I think one of the interesting behind the scenes things in uh, spirited away was like, uh, Oh, have you ever seen when they, um, when they uh, chop off the head of an eel uh, down at the, down at the shop and like the animation team just looked at him blankly. He's like, actually, no, uh, there's another one, which is even better, which is like, Oh, have you ever tried to give your dog like medicine? have to sort of open pry open the jaws and like stick it way back in the throat and everyone was like just like looking at him nonplussed because i guess no one had a dog they hadn't ever observed it (laughs) yeah that's that's a really relatable thing though man i know exactly what he means (laughs) yes yes i mean and and if you if you've ever seen spirited away you know exactly just me saying that you know exactly what scene that is because it's exactly the scene that you think um but it is like it's, I think it's it was really fun with no face but it's been a while no it's um it's uh uh what's his face the the dragon but uh oh, but let's, uh, dragon guy yeah yeah so yeah let's not let's not spoil that one for for people who <laughs> who tuned in for Lapita though <laughs> okay it's been a long time since i've seen spirited away so i don't remember much Oh, I, I love it. I love it to bits, man. That is such a I remember game. that there's a guy who's kind of like a venom. Well, you tell uh you mean like the, the the oozes stuff? Yeah, the goopy guy with the mask. Yeah. I like him. He's cool. Yeah, well that's no face. Yeah. Well, no face when he becomes very large. Um but anyway, uh Laputa. Uh let's Get back to Laputa. Um, <laughs> the I one I've seen. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we'll get to the other one soon enough, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, man. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think honestly, this one, like I said, like we've we've mentioned before, I think this one's pretty straightforward. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't have a lot more to really go on unless somebody else has found some connection. Some, um. I had something. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, this whole thing has um, like yeah, there's the whole. It's funny because like the army just is blatantly stealing shit in a way that's like historically accurate. But if you tried to do that in American film now, like it would, you would not be allowed to show like just basic military realities like them stealing shit. Well, yeah, I mean, because most most films here, uh, you get the upstream effect that uh, if you want to get any any uh, funding from the Pentagon, uh, you have to you have to hand them over your, your scripts, and they they decide how the script is going to go. Couldn't you literally, if you did an animated film, just draw stuff and then not have to pay them? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, Wait, they only IP to their own crap. I forget. I mean, you could you could draw like uh you know like military aircraft or whatever. Uh, I suppose that you don't have to worry too much about it because you know what, you can draw like a fantasy version of a helicopter or whatever, and it yeah. You don't need movie. to you don't need to uh, to to worry about the funding for that because I mean, uh, unless you're like re- really being greedy, uh, you should have funded already for the animation. Yeah, that, yeah. So at that point, you wouldn't. It, okay. Um. Yeah, Muska seems like he's the kind of guy who would be in Skull and Bones, jizzing in a skull. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he he was an intelligent, so he probably would have uh, shared classes with uh, uh, George Senior. Uh, yeah, George Senior Bush. Uh, so yeah, they they probably jizzed in the same skull together. Yeah, they're just—they're just, they're just uh, they're cream buying that skull. 
<laughs> Got to fill it up. Dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> isn't that uh, actually? Um, is that Geronimo's? Isn't it supposed to be Geronimo's yes. skull? I don't know if it's literally, but ritually it is. Like in the sense that that's who it's supposed to represent. I don't know if they like they all. I imagine they had backup ones just in case. Like yeah. you think with rich uh, guys, like it's. I mean, it's like how there's more than one holy prepuce, even though that doesn't quite make sense. Well, you know, if you if you put together all the uh, finger bones, the the sainted finger bones, uh, those saints uh, definitely have a lot of a lot of fingers on each hand. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, Muska is definitely like there is no doubt in my mind. Like from scene one, it, it is no, there is no doubt in my mind that he's the bad guy. It, it, it's pretty clear. He's got the little Gendo glasses, kind of. He's he's very has that one voice actor who who's almost always the bad guy in cartoons. Be Mark Hamill was. <laughs> oh, that was Mark the, Hamill. Oh shit! Yeah, in the dub, in the dub, it's Mark Hamill. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. For oh yeah, he's always bad guys in cartoons. I mean, that's a quality, especially in the nineties. Oh yeah, well, I mean, Batman the, the when they, when the they dubbed it, when they did the dub because the dub was like ten years later. Well, I mean, uh, you can hear in, some like '90s staples in that. Like they got uh, very there's like Andamagio has like one or two lines in there somewhere. Uh, I'm pretty sure I heard Cat Susie. Um, Doctor Eggman is in this movie, but he is split in two parts. Our General Hot Dog Neck has the Doctor Eggman voice. Then um, Dola's husband is Doctor Eggman, like physically. <laughs> that is oh, that's true. He's also uh, he looks very much like uh, the oh, what's his name in uh, Spirited Away? The the dude with like the eight arms and shit. Um, but Shiva, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sir, that is Mecha Shiva. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently it's. Uh, of all people, uh, Patsu is James Vanderbeek. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, like D in apartment 23 over here. Yeah, uh, Anna Paquin is uh, Sheeta, a uh, grown up or more grown up Sheeta, anyway. Uh, Cloris Leachman was Captain Dola. And this guy's Mark Hamill. So, uh, yeah, there's, 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 a, there's a pretty good voice cast to be honest with you there um yeah uh, it's it's sort of interesting because it's like the the bad guy in this one does has no turns in it uh you know you don't get to sympathize with muska at all whereas in like other yeah like in other miyazaki films there's slight softening of the supposed antagonists or whatever but not here it's just very simple He's just a dick. Like he's just like a yeah. He's like some country club psycho, pretty much. You know, I've spent the last ten minutes trying to get the the horrible visual of the Geronimo cum skull out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize for being quieter than I ordinarily am. Well, you're not, oh, you're no. not down. You're not down I, with uh, secret society fra- uh, fraternities, uh, skull fuckings. What? What? What's? Well, there's nothing wrong I, with if that. If we're talking dude. about skull fucking them, I'm all down, man. But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, somebody should di- like. You know what? There should be like a a, a primo indigenous uh, Ivy League university that only allows indigenous people to to matriculate and uh, get degrees in, and they should dig up Poppy's skull and jizz in it uh just you know just for fair play it's got it's got to balance it balances out the universe because it's it's like it's got to have like the you know what uh in in the spirit of miyazaki that would bring harmony because then you know you have balance everything's harmonious and uh honestly a horrible human being ends up uh, you know, having their skull desecrated just as he, just as bad as as he's desecrated others. So uh, I I say go ahead, folks. Let's do it. Let's get it done. Yep. All right. I think um, honestly, I think uh, we are. I, I I don't have much else to say. 
here. And I think that probably we want to give Sid an opportunity to uh, tell us what amazing things he's been doing as a, the audio gremlin at right. Good. Uh, so Sid, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh yeah. Uh, like earlier skull? than. <laughs> no, no, that, let's not plug the skull. <laughs> I think the skull is already full, man. That's the problem. <laughs> Move on folks. Skull <laughs> sorry. Is <full>. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my fault. Those, <laughs> those are not tears, friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay all right so earlier this week i just um i we just released an episode that i guest hosted about fantasy dialogue it's like an hour and a half long if people want to um like i did all the editing the theme song i don't know if i mentioned it on that one is actually those are my parents in the opening theme song to the Talk Good episode. Like that's well, hell those yeah. singing. That is my parents. Hell yeah! It's like I didn't. I wanted to do something else, and I didn't know if what I had the right. So I was like, "Oh, I can just use this. <laughs> I have this CD lying around. Let's do it." Sounds like a plan, man. Awesome. So, and um, this one's uh, this this one's about what is it? It's not right good. It's talk good, right? Is that it's a right good episode? It's just that the episode title. It's like not a different show. It's um, it's uh, I think it's like talk good, a dialogue about dialogue. There you go. Yeah, I did not title it, but these my titles are usually like a lot more weird when I make the titles for stuff. But um, yeah, no, and just before that, on the episode before, I was like the guest for the coat punk thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. there's a lot. I, I'm getting around lately. And that would be, you'd be able to find that over at, uh, is it kittysneezes.com where it's being hosted? Excellent. Uh, and if you're interested in more, uh, of, you know, the SIDS work, uh, you'd look it up at, is it patreon.com slash right good? Yes, it is. It is that. It is a spelled R I T E G U D folks. Uh, because yeah, we spell real well over there. We're yeah, real good well, I mean, spellers. It's all right. Good. Okay. So. That's how it was. That's how it's spelled. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's fantastic. Uh, so go check it out, folks. And um, uh, do, do you have any last thoughts, Pete? Or are you still perseverating on the skull? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't have any any final thoughts. I, I just uh, we our our occasional uh, interactions with right good have become sort of a serious relationship with that podcast. And I, I do want like, I do want our listeners to know that we've got a ton of respect for that group. And if you're looking for another podcast to check out, that's certainly on our short list of quality work. That's in the same zone as us. Oh yeah. We're pretty fun. Go check it out, folks. It's, it, it is fun. It is fun. And, uh, Sid and Raquel are great. So, uh, I think that's a bit that's about it for me um and uh if that's it for all of you uh i am going to sign off and say thanks again for listening see you next time on Podside, folks bye everybody see you around <laughs>